Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 I've begun using a really cool surface from Aviva IQ, and it's made my life so much easier. My guests love receiving all the important details about their stay exactly when they need it. And I love all the five-star reviews I'm getting on communication. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad. My name is Jasper. I'm your host. And today I'm co-hosting with Nicole Prentice-Williams, the VP of Strategic Partnerships at Hostly. Hey, Jasper. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back today. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. I've had a lot of fun over uh, the last uh, weekend on the cruise ship where I went on a uh, a party cruise from Singapore to Phuket in Thailand, four-day cruise. So it's been a lot of fun. And now I'm back in Taipei, back to work. You need to send me all that information so I can do that in my next life. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awesome. Well, I, it's 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 only recommended if you if you don't uh, if you're okay with not getting a lot of sleep, though. I have to say. All right, I can do that for a day or so. <laughs> they, they were playing. Just to give you an idea, they were playing. It was an EDM cruise, so electronic music. Oh, cool! And it, the music would go on until eight in the morning. They had DJs scheduled until eight in the morning. Wow. And then the, the program starts. It's back on at 12 PM. So there was, there was only four hours per 24 of hours of, yes, of silence. <laughs> awesome. It was, uh, it was pretty crazy. And then in the morning at like 9 AM, like you have an, one hour of rest. And then suddenly the captain starts announcing all this kind of you know, logistical stuff. And, and you're just like, come on, man. Like it's been an hour <laughs> since the music stopped. Do you really have to wake us up now? Yeah, announce that right before the next set. I know it's, it was it was crazy, but it was super fun. Like people brought all sorts of uh, outfits. I saw like like T Rexes walking mm-hmm. around and like one seas parties, and it was, it was it was a lot of fun. Awesome, awesome. Um, let's see what's what's going on in the world of Airbnb. I kind of have I've kind of been out of it for a few days, but I've just been catching up on the news. I think one of the most interesting things I've seen is a letter that was written uh, by somebody at Airbnb and it was addressed to the president and chief executive officer of Marriott. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, I'll let you uh, I'll let you share your thoughts first. Well, I'm just wondering who leaked it. It has to be Airbnb. There's no way that Marriott would want, but basically it's Airbnb is, is um, accusing Marriott and the hotel industry of taking billions of dollars from taxpayers to subsidize the construction and operation of of Marriott hotels. So it's very accusatory. It's, I mean, it's funny. Further down, it wrote, it got personal, and you're thinking, wow, it's not personal yet. I mean, <laughs> it's just 
it's a crazy story going on here and just wonder how how CNBC obtained the letter. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's probably not Marriott who has uh, leaked it. It's probably Airbnb or, I, I mean, I don't know, like, who else could have leaked it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It had to be Airbnb. It, I'm just... But, but my question is, he's saying that the hotel industry has been taking billions of dollars from taxpayers to subsidize the construction operation of hotels. There's a report that finds that Marriott received $1.73 billion in taxpayer subsidies from 2008 to 2017. And they're saying that uh, Marriott has generated $4.6 billion in profits. And my question really is, I don't understand, like, how does that work? Like, do hotels get subsidized in the US? I'm not familiar. And then apparently Airbnb made a billion. So that's a quarter of that. And there's a lot of money there at stake. So it sounds like everything's flying. <laughs> like they're just they're just at each other's necks at this point, trying to get more revenue, really. I mean, that's we're talking billions. But I guess yeah. the, the reason that this person at Airbnb, and it's Josh Meltzer, actually his name, I just looked it up. The reason that he wrote this letter to Marriott is because Saracen stated that I've had letters from Airbnb directly demanding my response about some charge. I don't even know what it is. It's pretty aggressive. I'm not going to respond to that. So I think that was the initial reason of, of the letter. Uh, it was an interview in which the, the married CEO basically accused Airbnb of, uh, of writing him letters that he doesn't respond to. So that's, that was the initial trigger, I think. But uh, I'm just curious I think to that know. It's been going on for a long time. I mean, sorry to interrupt, but I think this has been going on for a long time. It's hotel industry against short-term vacation rentals. Short-term vacation rentals are growing exponentially because of Airbnb, and the hotel industry is trying to stop it. And Marriott is huge, so I think other hotel chains will collaborate with Marriott. Will follow Marriott. So then you got you have the two most present, more most visible players on each side, which is Airbnb and Marriott. They're the most visible. And then you have a bunch of other players involved, but the media goes after the biggest one. So there you go. And you have big headlines, but a letter being leaked obviously is going to make headlines. You know, I was just in Florida last week at a vacation rental management association conference specifically for Florida, which makes up 25% of the short-term vacation rentals in the United States. So it's huge. One state makes up 25% out of 50 states. And there was an entire panel dedicated to what's going on legislatively in that state with regulations and fees and how the short-term vacation rental is trying to compete with hotels in that state. Um, and it's hard because hotels have, they're more organized, they're unionized, they're, they have more money. And so, you know, 4 billion versus 1 billion. And it's hard for the, I, I, I saw it firsthand what they're trying to do, sitting in with these elected officials trying to fight for vacation rental rights in this big, big state where there's half a million short-term vacation rentals. Yeah, that's a lot. I didn't know Florida, the market was that big over there. But it makes sense, right? There's a, a lot of uh, the snowbirds. I just learned about the term snowbirds yeah, last week. Yeah, yeah. The snowbirds will go to Florida. 
Yeah, it's it's huge. And it's been going on for decades. It's just Airbnb has drawn more attention to it. So short-term rentals have been around for decades. Um, yeah, Snowbirds are in Arizona and Florida. Those are kind of the two hubs where they, they go to, to to escape for the winter. It's been around, but it's just they're getting a lot of media attention now because there's more money there. Right. And, um, you know, Marriott's uh, CEO is saying that Airbnb is playing really aggressively. But of course, we've all seen the advertisements that have come out in recent times where that those are, and those are sponsored by the American Hotel and Lodging Association, which uh, Marriott Hilton and Hyatt are part of. And they have a whole plan on how to limit the, sh the growth of short-term rentals. And some of these advertisements are, are part of that where, you know, whenever something bad happens at an Airbnb, they immediately take the opportunity to, you know, to basically frame Airbnb as a dangerous place, as a, as a place yeah. where, you know, they're for, for terrorists and for criminals and all kind of stuff as if, as if those type of people have never stayed at a hotel room, right? But, um, right. What happened in Vegas? What happened in Vegas several weeks ago? You know, that was in a hotel that was not in a short term rental. So I, you know, I don't want to go there, but, but come on, you know, there were plenty of cameras around and, and that happened in Vegas. So let's not say terrorists hide out in Airbnb in short term rentals. Yeah. I mean, I mean, bad people are everywhere. I mean, the, I mean, Airbnb does put in effort to sort of to, to do some due diligence on the people that are using the platform because I, I recently heard about a host who, who had a, a booking from a guest and then Airbnb actually canceled it. And they said, you know, this guest, we, you know, we've, we did some background check and we actually don't think this guest is going to be a good, uh, a good fit for your place. So they, you know, they are trying to keep it uh, as safe as possible. But of course you can't, you know, you can't control millions of people who are using, uh, who are using a platform. That's just, that's just impossible. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think they do their best. I mean, I, Full disclosure, we do have a home that we rent out on Airbnb and we have declined many people and a few of them have been kicked off Airbnb. And it's just, it's easy to spot scammers if you report them um, and they do a little vetting. So I think they do a good job at that. Um, but we've also seen the, the report by Morgan Stanley, which quotes that uh, the more and more people that are not using Airbnb are quoting privacy and security reasons, the reason that they're not using it. And so I think the, you know, the advertisements that they put out, it, it does have an effect, right? The, the, the amount of media coverage that okay. the, the events that where something goes wrong, the amount of media coverage that it gets definitely has an effect on the perception, right? I think now, I think right now mm -hmm. there's a, there's a discrepancy in the perception and reality when it comes to safety on, on Airbnb. Because if you look at the actual facts, if you actual data, you know, how many stays happen on Airbnb and how often does something bad happen versus, you know, the perception that you get from, from uh, just reading news stories. I think there's a big discrepancy between those two. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Hosts. Does it feel like you're spending way too much time responding to questions from your Airbnb guests? Is the fear of a possible bad review keeping you up at night? I recently learned about a really helpful service called Aviva IQ. With Aviva IQ, my workload and worries have reduced dramatically. All I had to do was link my Airbnb listings to Aviva IQ, create my messages and schedule delivery times. That's it. I can't believe how easy it was to set up. 
Now I can sit back and relax knowing that my guests receive all the important details on time, every time. Everybody sleeps better. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. All right, let's look at some other news stories. Let's talk about, well, you were, you mentioned some regulations in, uh, in, in Florida. Um, another big Airbnb market. And then I think a market that's, that's grown very quickly over, over the recent years is Melbourne in Australia. And, you know, there's a very active community of Airbnb hosts in Melbourne. I've interviewed several of them and I know they have a very active Facebook group, Airbnb hosts in Melbourne. And it's now uh, reached the top 20 of Airbnb markets around the world. And I think so far, Melbourne has been pretty friendly to Airbnb hosts. But now that seems to be starting to change a little bit as uh, restrictions loom on short days in, in Victoria, which I believe is the state where Melbourne is. But they're, uh, they're looking at putting in some restrictions now. But it's they're taking a different approach, it seems, than most of the other big cities around the world compared to just banning Airbnb for or short-time rentals for a certain number of days. They're really looking at the at the complaints that they're getting from people about the guests. Like for example, they're they're proposing a rule that Airbnb guests are not allowed to socialize outdoors after 10 p.m. Uh, I, was, I was reading this this article and it's pretty funny, like one of the hosts was saying, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to go to my place at 10 p.m. and tell the guests that, you know, it lights out, it's bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and some other rules that they're proposing is, uh, you know, the owner must control, be responsible for the visitors. And if you're in a building, you should be paying more fees to building management to, you know, compensate for the extra wear and tear that the guests are guests are causing on the building you know it goes all the way down to like the maximum number of vehicles that can be parked outside what what are your thoughts yeah i think it's smart i think it's really smart i mean they're not saying okay like london and paris where it's three i think it's 90 days a year where you can rent out your your property it's they're really targeting what the issues are and and letting people have the freedom to still rent out their place. But listen, these are the concessions. And I get it. I mean, you know, being a firsthand short-term rental owner, I get it. These are the regular complaints. So you move those house rules up to the very top. You let people who are looking at your property know the expectations, um, what the rules are, and when noise has to go down and that there, it's a family-friendly neighborhood, or you have to respect the neighbors, even if it's not family-friendly. Um, but go after the specific issues. Don't lump it all in one group and say, "Okay, you have to. You can only do it for this amount of time because there are a lot of complaints, so we need to minimize the complaints. So we're going to cut down on the time you can rent out, so we can lower the complaints." No, go after what the issues are. I think it's very smart. Yeah, it's definitely a different approach. I'm curious to know what the opinion is of, of some of the Airbnb hosts in, in uh, Melbourne. And my expectation is that they, they're probably not too happy about it, but, um, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll you know get, what? We'll Wherever get... there's growth, there's going to be, there's going to be growth. So there's going to be the good and there's going to be the bad. And so you're going to have to have compliances along with the growth. So it's, it's whatever industry it is, there's going to be, there will be complaints. So, 
um, because it's growing and it's bigger and more people know about it. So people will complain about it. So, you know, I, I have to say, I think they expected it. Um, and we have clients in Melbourne, um, with Hostfully and, you know, I think, I think they would expect it. It, They've seen it everywhere else. So why not them if it's growing that, that much? I'm also curious how they are expecting to, you know, to enforce these type of regulations because mm-hmm. if they're saying yeah. visitors aren't permitted to use like outdoor areas after 10 p.m., like what if you have a, a house in a, where there's quite a lot of space uh, around you? Is, I mean, are they actually going to go to all the 12,000 Airbnb listings no. and check to see if the visitors are, you know, are, are putting off the lights at 10 p.m. and going to bed or not? <laughs> It'll probably be like New York where they find a couple. They don't have the manpower to do that. However, they will find a few cases and make examples of them so that people comply. I mean, that's, that's what I've seen historically. Well, I'll see if I can get a a Melbourne Airbnb host on the show and, and let's get a host on the show. Let's do that. And and explore some of the stuff. And you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Should be fun. Um, Let's see. Let's, uh, let's cover a few more topics before we run out of time. Airbnb is buying a startup that offered similar home rental services for disabled travelers. The startup, the name is Accommable. They had about uh, 1100 listings in, or so. And it sounds like that platform really was having trouble to gain traction. Uh, it says in the article that, uh, they were only able to fulfill about five to 10% of booking requests. Oh, wow. They raised uh, $400,000 from investors, which, which is not a whole lot of money for an online, mar- to build an online marketplace, I would say. And I think this is probably one of the marketplaces. It's one of the sort of Airbnb clones, quote unquote, that target a very specific niche. Uh, just like there's some, there's a bunch of other platforms, right? That do that as well. Uh, Mr. B&B is one of them for the gay and lesbian community. But, uh, but yeah, I think they, they didn't get any traction. And, and so Airbnb has decided to basically just buy the team. I think, uh, maybe the investors will get their money back. Uh, I think it's an aqua hire. Uh, they, they take on the staff and they, they will add the 1100 listings that can accommodate guests with physical disabilities. And they're also looking to sort of use the expertise of the team to implement more features that uh, Airbnb host can, can then, uh, use to communicate more information about whether your place is, is suitable for people with disabilities or not. Um, and they also, they mentioned that, uh, typically now, uh, guests are kind of dependent on looking at the pictures to see if, you know, if, if there's a staircase and how steep it is, et cetera, to figure out if it's, if it's suitable for somebody with a disability. So now these, uh, these new features that will be implemented uh, should make it a little bit easier for, for those who have a disability to figure out whether an Airbnb listing is a good place to stay. Yeah. I think it's a great move by Airbnb. Um, they have that in their checklist for hosts is your property accessible for, um, disabled. And so this will increase the inventory I would think quite a bit. I know we've had um, inquiries like that and I never turn anyone away, but just speaking from another firsthand experience as being a host, um, we have had a couple say that their son was in a wheelchair and they had, you know, we have a few stairs getting into the property, but it is doable once you're in, it's one level pretty much with a little, you know, down and up 
by a few inches here and there. And we've had many inquiries. That was really the only one that booked. So I think personally, like that it'll increase their volume. It's good PR. It's a good move for them for sure. And it's a big, it's a big topic. We've had many inquiries. Like I've said, is your house handicap accessible? And um, because it's an older property, we don't really have the ramps, but so we have stairs, but you can, it's doable. Yeah. And I think Airbnb should also maybe educate the host a little bit on this topic because I, just like you, I've had inquiries as well from people uh, with disabilities and they would ask me now, how many steps are the stairs and you know, how steep it is. Is there, is there a railing that where you can hold on to as you're walking the stairs? And then also, you know, how big is the entrance to the shower and you know, how big is the shower and stuff like that. And right. I mean, if you don't have a disability, like you don't really think about these things, right? And right. so if, if they could provide some guidance as to like, okay, well, you know, for a wheelchair accessible shower, it should be, you know, it should be this wide or it should be this big and the staircase shouldn't, you know, shouldn't have more than X amount of steps or, or some guidance. Yeah, just just so that people know. Okay, well, uh, is my house actually is it accessible or or not? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's a great move by them to buy this company. And like we we don't know how much they they spent on it, but it's increased their uh, handicap accessible properties by over a thousand. So there you go. Because I think you know. Yeah, they haven't educated, in my opinion, and your opinion. Like there needs to be more education about it. So this is this is a good way to, good to if they don't want to educate, then just buy a company who has it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great. I think it's a great move, and I don't. I don't think they paid very much because yeah, I'd, I, I'd, 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 I'd never heard of this 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 startup in the first place. And yeah. I just and they imagine- raised less than half a million in in their funding. So yeah, I mean they they basically just ran out of cash and. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think it's probably, exactly. uh, they're probably pretty happy that they got acquired by oh, Airbnb, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a big win for that company. Huge. <laughs> it's, uh, a win. it's a win-win, uh, but very big for that company. Right. Win-win-win for everybody. Let's see. There's uh, an article in Skift uh, published by Diana Ting, who's uh, been on the podcast, actually. Hey, and uh, she writes a lot about Airbnb. And this particular article is about the growth of Airbnb trips. And we've talked about this before, how you know Airbnb is kind of taking a slower route with the experiences. Um, they've got uh, 3,100 experiences in 40 cities up by now in 26 countries, which is not a whole lot compared to their home business, of course. Um, but they, you know, they're taking it slow. They really want to make sure that they learn and understand the experiences market first. But there's, um, there's a few interesting facts in this article. First of all, the most popular categories for Airbnb experiences were arts, sports, lifestyle, nature, music, and entertainment. But the, the number one category was food and drink. So people like to book a lot of different kind of food and drink experiences, uh, specialty cooking lessons, guided food and drink tours. And I guess that makes sense because, you know, like when you travel, obviously trying the local uh, delicacies and local drinks is is something that um, oh, yeah. is one of the most appealing things of, of traveling, right? So, right. so it's not surprising that that's the, uh, that's the most popular category. About two thirds of Airbnb users that have booked experiences are age 35 and 
younger. So there's a lot of young people who are making use of the experiences. And 90% of all experiences have earned a five-star review. Have you done any experiences yet? I haven't. But I, when I was reading this, I was like, oh my goodness, there's an experience to the Hollywood sign. I was just talking with my family. We, we are going as a family to the Hollywood sign in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, maybe we should book an experience. Maybe yeah. we'll meet, well, we will learn something else than doing it on alone. <laughs> so I'm going to look into that one. But yeah, I can totally see the food and the drink being a huge one. We're looking to do one this summer and we've had friends who've told us, recommended those. So yeah, I can, I can see that being the most popular. Have you done one? I haven't done one. I've signed up for it though, but uh, oh, I, I, they've put me on the waiting list or something. <laughs> it took a while for them to get back to me as well. So I don't know what's going on there, but, uh, but in any, in any case, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that you want, that you're considering going on uh, an experience in your own city because there's a, a good amount of, uh, locals actually go on these experiences. So Nathan, the Chartik had, did an interview. He didn't mention the percent, the exact percentage, but he's saying that it was a double digit percentage of the people that go on these experiences aren't actually travelers. They're actually, they're local people, uh, who, who just exploring their own city. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm going to look into more. I mean, we don't do stuff around LA. All I do is sit and see how we can go to other places and instead of like getting into the experience and seeing what we can right. do. And there's, you know, yeah, that's it. That's, it's really smart. Yeah, absolutely. As an Airbnb host, you definitely learn a little bit more about your own city, right? Because I had, I had uh, visitors coming in and they would ask me about specific events or uh, specific things they wanted to do in Amsterdam. And now I'd never heard of these things. And so I've definitely learned some something about my own city. So you and I should do one in our own cities. And then next time we talk, we'll talk about what we did for our experiences. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. I like that. And when are you going to be back in your city? That's the big question. <laughs> That's the big question. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe next month. Right now I'm enjoying. Okay. Oh, next month. Okay. It won't be in the summertime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's Christmas time, you know, like got to see family yeah, yeah. around Christmas time, right? That's good. All right. Well, Nicole, thanks for joining me today and uh, look forward to speaking to you again after we've done our experiences. And of course, uh, for listeners, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll be back on uh, Monday. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.